Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Hey, well, thank you so much. Uh, he's right. I am stayed up. I have an eight-month-old at the house, so I can promise you sleep is a rare commodity. Um, I also have my two little girls over there on the front row, so if they get a little wild, you know why. Um, uh, because they take after me, so that's why, not their mother. But anyways, I do want to say uh, Happy New Year. I can't believe that it's 2019. I mean, I don't know about you, but didn't it feel like we were just singing along with the artist formerly known as Prince that we were going to party like it was 1999? Anybody remember that? Okay, Y2K was going to happen. We were nervous that the, everything was going to shut down and the grocery, food, or the grocery stores were going to sell out and the computers weren't going to transition over. Um, it's hard to believe that this marks 18 years Uh, that I have been preaching and teaching the Word of God. It's amazing. Uh, I can't believe how fast time goes. It seems like it was just yesterday. Um, But hey, before we get into our message, uh, as just a fellow uh, member of the church here, I just want to take a moment and just, I know that you would feel the same way, and that's just to say a special word of thanks to uh, our pastor, um, our pastors, you know, Pastor Stephen and Thalissa Nutt, Um, One thing I can say about them, and I know that you'd agree with, is they are people that love Jesus and love this church. And uh, we are truly blessed. So why don't we just give them a round of applause. Really thankful for them. Um, In a minute, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And uh, before we do that, if you're a believer, um, if you are a praying believer, this is what I want to ask. Just don't just bow your heads. Don't just kind of check the box and go through the motions. But would you really pray for me? Because what I've found after 18 years of ministry is that the words that I say are pointless. But if somehow I can get out of the way and God can speak through me, it can change our hearts. So would you pray with me? Lord, I come before you today. God, and I ask that you would move in this place, God. Lord, your word said that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you're there in the midst of them. So, Lord, would you please, Lord, speak to us and through us. God, would you give us ears to hear, God? Would you give us, um, Lord, a heart that's receptive of your truth today? God, I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us in a way that maybe we haven't been ministered to in a long time. God, I, I ask that you would that you'd forgive our speaker because my sins are many. And if people were to know, but God, by your grace, Lord, I am who I am. So God, we love you. We thank you for the Cowboys winning and Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our great victor, and all the people of God said, amen? Amen. All right, well, I don't know if you are um, excited about this new year, but the word I feel that God has put in my heart is the idea of what if. I wonder what if this year you were to step out of your comfort zone, what if this year you were willing to Believe God for something that maybe you haven't believed him for in a long time? What if this year you chose to forgive? 
What if this year you chose not to be a victim, but to be a victor? What if this year you chose to believe God for a dream that maybe you had given up on? What if this year could look a little bit different than last year? I don't know if you're like most people, but I think a lot of us have some hang-ups and some issues that we'd like to see broken off our life. Like maybe there's some addictions that you want to be freed from, or maybe there's some changes in your family that you need, or maybe you need to see some restoration in some relationships. And what I want to ask is, what if this is the year? What if this is the year that God brings a breakthrough? And I don't know if you're familiar with this picture, um, but this is Colin O'Brady. Anybody hear this story over the Christmas break? Okay, so Colin uh, became the first man to complete an unaided trek across Antarctica. He faced uh, just some incredible conditions. It was 932 miles over 54 days. I mean, he was trekking alone through blizzards, through uh, sub-zero, 100 below degrees, okay, 100 degrees below zero. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but if it's uh, 50 degrees outside, I don't want to take the trash to the road. Okay, and this dude is pressing through all of the harshest conditions on planet Earth. And he's, in, I mean, he is fighting some really incredible climate. And he often would say, this too shall pass. That kind of became a mantra for him. But the reality is, is that trek didn't start right there. That trek actually started years earlier when he was laying in a hospital bed. See, Colin O'Brady had been in a freak accident and was severely burned on 25% of his body, almost entirely concentrated on his legs. And as he was sitting overseas in a hospital bed, the doctors told him, they said, you may never walk normally again. Colin began to fall into despair and depression. And his mother came into the hospital room one day and said, Colin, what if you started making plans for what you're going to do when you get out of here instead of focusing on your problem? What if you started to make plans and goals for when you get past this? So Colin, like any smart son, listened to his mother and all the moms said amen. (laughs) He said, okay, I want to become a triathlete. He decided to ask himself, what if I didn't only walk normally again, but what if I could become a triathlete? What if I could climb mountains? And he began to press through all the discouragement and the hardship of relearning to walk. And he began to decide that he was going to step into something that he had never done before. And what's incredible about this story, if that's not incredible enough, is that on the last leg of the race, on day 53, 80 miles out from the finish line, Colin decides to ask himself, what if I could complete all 80 miles in one go without stopping? What if I could get up this morning and finish this race today? And so after 32 straight hours of nonstop walking, Colin became the first man to complete an unaided trek across the Antarctica. I'm telling you, I struggle to do two miles at the gym in climate control on the elliptical. After he completed this task and this amazing finish, 
he was, went through a, a, a period of having interviews, and, and one thing that he continued to say was, we all have reservoirs of untapped potential. And God dropped in my heart that we all have reservoirs of untapped breakthroughs in God. That everybody in this room has a reservoir of power in Christ that we have yet to tap into. Now, I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what lies you've believed in 2018. I don't know what struggles you're facing. But I believe that for every lie God has, that for every lie Satan has spoken over your life, that Jesus has spoken a truth that's greater. I believe that no matter how dark the sin of your despair, I, don't be, I believe that God has a grace that is deeper. I believe that no matter how low the valley you find yourself in, he has a love that will light a path to your victory this year. What if this year you chose to believe that God could do a miracle again? But I think for a lot of us, we've grown comfortable. And that we've kind of settled in and have kind of decided that things just are the way they are. Like, they're never going to change. He's never going to change. My child's never going to come back to God, that I'm never going to see a breakthrough in that area of my life. Like, this is just how it is. And now we've allowed the conveniences of our everyday life to mask our need and hunger for God. Like, think about it. I mean, if you're hungry, you go through a drive-thru. If you're bored, you pick up your cell phone, which some of you are doing right now. I'm sorry. I'm going to step it up. Try to be more entertaining. Okay. If you're thirsty, you take your cup and you go to your, your refrigerator and push the filtered water and voila. Everything we have need of seems to be met. But the deepest longings of our heart. Because only God can meet that need. But somehow, we fall into the trap of comfort. Somehow, we fall into the state of complacency where we stop believing God for something amazing, where we stop believing God for a breakthrough in our life. And I think that's what happened in the lives of the disciples in our story today. If you have your scriptures with you, if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, and uh, I'll just kind of set the scene for you. So Jesus has already been working miracles. He has already been out doing signs and wonders and teaching with authority. People uh, kind of already know who he is. There's a reputation about him. Crowds have already been gathering to want to want to know him and to follow him and to see what he might do in their lives. And, and so he, his reputation has gone before him. And He's been ministering, and he finds himself at a point where he wants to kind of get away. And so he takes uh, Peter, James, and John, and he says, hey, look, let's go up to the mountaintop. Let's go up and worship for a little while. Let's, let's step away from the busyness of, of our lives, and let's just kind of go to a secluded place. And they go up to what we know as the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And so they climb up to the Mount Transfiguration, and they just really have this powerful time of worship where Jesus reveals himself and, 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 and the godliness of who he is. And they see this, this Christ in a new way that they had never seen him, and it was awesome. And, and, and they're up there ministering, but yet the nine disciples are down at the bottom of the hill. And at the bottom of the mountain, there's a crowd that's beginning to form. There's people that are wanting to encounter Jesus. There's people that want to hear uh, his testimony. There's people that want to see him move in their life and need a miracle. And, and so that's what we're going to pick up in verse 14. It says, when they, had come down the, when they had come down to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. I want to pause right there because that's actually a pretty peculiar point in the passage. Because if we were to go back to Matthew 10, verse 8, we know that Jesus has already commissioned the disciples and given them power to heal the sick to cleanse the leper, to cast out demons, and to raise the dead. Like, they've already been going and moving in the power of God, doing incredible things. They've seen God working in their life from Matthew chapter 10, and now fast forward to Matthew chapter 17, and all of a sudden, they're not being effective in the ministry of God. So what happened? From Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, to Matthew 17. Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's pick up. Then Jesus answered and said, now he's actually not speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to the crowd that's there. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, let me just stop real quick, because if we were to look at the parallel story found in Mark 9, there's this incredible moment where we see a little bit clearer picture where the father says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And as I read that, I thought, how true is it that whenever our child suffers, we suffer? Like, he didn't say, Jesus, if you're willing, have compassion on my son. He said, have compassion on us. Because don't you know that when your loved one is going through something that is difficult, you're right there going through it with them. And I believe that there's some people in this church today that you are struggling alongside your spouse. You are struggling alongside your child. You are struggling alongside a parent. And there's a cry in your heart that says, God, I want you to heal them, but I need some healing too. God, would you heal us? you minister to us? And Jesus, in this remarkable statement, says, all things are possible to him who believe. And one of my most favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, and I think it's because I identify so clearly with this father. In response to Jesus' statement, he says, God I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think there's some people 
in this church today that you'd say, Desi, I know that God can move mountains. I know that God can do a miracle, but I just want to tell you that I believe, but I need some help with my unbelief. Like, I know that God can touch my family. I know that God can touch my spouse, but God, I'm just telling you, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, there's some of us in here that we have a relationship with God, but somewhere along the way, we stop believing him for some big things, and we would just say, God, I believe, but would you help me in my unbelief in this area of my life? I know that's true of me. More times than not, I'm saying, God, I believe that you can do this. I know you are who you said you are, but God, would you help my unbelief? I'm thankful that Jesus was willing to respond in mercy. Because in response to that, picking up in our passage, sorry, my page turned. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately with the same question we'd been asking and said, why could we not cast him out? Why is it that there's times in our life where we've seen God move in such an incredible way where we believed God for something that, man, where we just had this time in our life where, man, we didn't find our identity in the things that we had and our job. Like, like our trust and our hope and our, everything was just in God. It wasn't in our paycheck. It wasn't where we lived. It wasn't what we drove. Like that didn't matter. What mattered was that God was faithful, and that's where our affections were. What happened from that time to this time? And and Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What happened where we stopped trusting God for our provision and we started trusting ourselves. What happened to the point where we said, God, I need you to, I'll get back to you. I'm busy. I can make it on my own. The disciples in that moment are starting to realize that they had grown comfortable. When you say, Desi, well, how do you know that? Well, in verse 21, he says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. The implication is, is that while they were up on the mountaintop of transfiguration, having a time set apart in worship and prayer and in fasting and seeking the Lord, that the disciples that were remaining were down feasting and enjoying everyday life, and they had lost their hunger for God. They had lost that place where we find in David crying out to God in Psalms 42 where he says, as the deer pants for the water, Lord, so my soul pants for you. That hunger was lost by the conveniences of everyday life. He says, look, you have to get back to a place where you hunger and thirst for me more than anything in this world. This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And I just want to tell you that I am a firm believer, that I am the direct result of the prayers and fasting of someone else. 
I am convinced now more than ever that my life is the result of someone else willing to pray and fast for me. So I grew up in New Braunfels, Texas. Anybody familiar with New Braunfels, Texas? Okay. So I grew up there before it was, um, before it exploded with the population that we see today. And if you're not familiar, um, down in South Texas, God's area, you know what I'm talking about? Just, uh, just down there, there's two beautiful rivers that run through it. You have the, the Guadalupe that goes through the historical part of green there in New Braunfels. And then you have the Comal River, which is my favorite. It is a spring-fed, crystal clear, 67 degrees all year round. And when you're in South Texas and it's 115 degrees and you dive into that water, it is a spiritual experience, okay? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is a fresh baptism, all right? It is, it is finding Jesus all over again. And, and I just loved it. I grew up there. And I'll tell you, as a young man, I just kind of had an affinity towards the things of God. I just, man, I, I really just loved the Lord from a young age. I, um, I really had a heart for the lost at a young age. I really, um, you know, just, I remember like at six years old, praying for the lost, being burdened that people might not know God. Um, I started telling people uh, when I was seven that I wanted to be a pastor, like who does that, right? And, um, I just, that was just kind of who I was. I really kind of had a a soft spirit about me. And um, next thing I know, fast forward, and at the age of 14, uh, like a lot of teenagers, I fell into the wrong crowd. And uh, I had a deep longing for connection and acceptance from my peers. And unfortunately, the peers that I connected with weren't a good group of guys. And what started as um, small Moral compromises, the subtle, slippery slope. I found myself at the bottom of a very dark pit. I began to um, partake in things I never thought that I would do. That little bit of sin took me further than I ever thought I would go, and it kept me longer than I ever thought I would stay. I began to experiment with beyond them be transparent, did a lot more than experiment with drugs and alcohol. Really came into a life that was anything but Christian. And I remember it got so dark at times that, that I really just had such rebellion that I treated my parents with such disrespect and I dove in to every single thing that I could dive into that was sin to try to, to mask the pain that I had now incurred on my life. And I began to run after the things of this world in such a way that there was nothing that I wouldn't try. There was nothing that I wouldn't do. There was no depth that I wouldn't sink to. And but my mother... But my mother asked the question, when everybody else had given up on me, she said, what if God can do a miracle in my son's life? What if God's word is true? What if what it says in the Bible is true? And what if God will rescue my son? What if God, what if I pray and fast and believe? And what if God will save my son? And so my mama, God bless her soul, she started praying. And she started fasting. Year after year, she's praying and fasting. And let me just give you um, a little picture 
of how intense my mom is, okay? I'm like uh, 18 years old, and I think I'm a man, but let's be honest, I'm a boy, okay? And, and, and my, I'm, I'm getting ready to go out for the evening, and, and my mom would literally do stuff like grab my arm and just start praying for me, like, God, deliver us, Lord Jesus. And I just remember, like, get off me, like, and I remember telling you, you're a weirdo, like, what is wrong with you? She's like, no, God's going to deliver you. I'll be like, Mom, you are freaking me out, okay? I got to go. And so my mother continued to believe and to pray and to ask. And I'll never forget, it was a Friday night, and I had just getting off work. I wasn't going to school. I was working for a moving company and uh, had gotten paid, so... Naturally, I took my paycheck, and I went and bought some drugs and some alcohol. I headed over to a buddy's house, and uh, it's right there on Blue Bonnet Street. The house is still there today. There's no fence to the backyard. It's right off the, it's on the corner, and you can walk straight up to it on the, off the street. And I'm sitting on that back porch, partaking in the things I shouldn't be partaking in. And I just remember there was something a little different about that night. I remember thinking, man, this is kind of strange. Just something in the air. And then there was this shadow that cast down the side of the street from the street light. And I was like, man, who's walking around here? Like, what's going on? And we're just hanging out, me and my buddies. And, and this guy comes walking up. And, and I'm just being unfiltered and being raw and just being as honest as, as I can be. And, and, and as he walked up, literally this strange wind began to blow. And I was like, man, this is getting kind of creepy, right? Like, what is, what is happening? And the leaves were rustling, and, 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 and a guy comes walking up, and he walks to the back porch, and he's right there where we are. He steps over the railing. We are, no one's talking. No one's saying anything, and it's just kind of this weird situation, and he, and he looks at me. He says, are you happy with your life? I remember I just, I grabbed my hat, and I pulled it down because tears begin to well up, and I didn't want anybody to see me crying. And tears begin to well up, and those words hit me like a ton of bricks in my chest, and I couldn't breathe. And in the absence of my speech, he replied, and he said, Desi, are you happy with your life? I said, I'm not happy with my life. And he said, Desi, I was praying in my house tonight. And God told me to come here and tell you it's time to come home. And right there, I stood up and I began to just weep and I began to cry and the pain and all the, all the sin and the rebellion. And I just, I was crying and I was weeping and I was standing there and he just came over and he walked around the table and he grabbed me and he hugged me and he just said, he said, it's okay. And I said, I said, I just want God. I just want to come home. I just want Jesus. And all of a sudden, Richard and James, who are sitting at the table looking like, what is happening they stand up and they say, I don't know what he's got, but whatever he's got, I want it too. And all three of us gave our life to Christ that night. Amen. My life is, has never been the same. And I am more convinced now than ever that that is a direct result of a mother that was willing to fast and pray and believe that what if God could break through in my kid's life? Mingo took us and started, his name's Mingo Mendez, 
Mingo took us and started doing Bible study with us, and, and man, my life has literally never been the same, and I know that's a direct result of prayer and fasting, and I know that some of you in this room are thinking, man, Des, great story, really happy for you and your mom. But I'm just not that spiritual. I'm not that guy. What I would say to you is prayer and fasting is not for the super spiritual. But it's for the everyday people that want to experience God in an extraordinary way. Let me say that again. Prayer and fasting isn't for the super spiritual, but it's for everyday people that want to experience God in an extraordinary way. Throughout scripture, we see that God moves through prayer and fasting. I'm going to give you just a short sampling of scriptures where we see that God has moved through the power of prayer and fasting. If you look at Deuteronomy Chapter 9, Moses fasted for 40 days before he received the Ten Commandments. Second Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat, surrounded by the armies of his enemies, called for a time of prayer and fasting and was given victory. Esther fasted for the, for the deliverance of the Jewish people and received favor for the nation of Israel. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel fasted for 21 days and was given a spiritual breakthrough. And Jesus fasted for 40 days before he overcame the temptations of Satan in the wilderness. In Acts chapter 13, Bartimaeus and Paul were fasting and praying when God commissioned them to do one of the most important missionary journeys in our history. And because of that, the gospel broke into the Western empire of Rome and it spread throughout the world and our planet earth has never been the same. I'm here to tell you today that I don't know what battle you're facing, what lie you're believing, or what stronghold Satan has in your life, but when you pray and fast, it sends an SOS to God, and he comes to your rescue. What if, what if this was the year that God redeemed those broken places in your life? What if this was the year that God did a miracle? What if this was the year you said, God, I'm not going to be comfortable with the things of this world because you have so much more for me. I want to invite Shelby to come up. She's going to play a song for us. And I want to break this down real simple. If I can just, as, as simple as possible, break this down for you. Prayer is leaning into God. And fasting is letting go of the distractions of this world. It's not complicated. I'm not going to try to prescribe something to you. I just want to break it down as simple as possible. Prayer is getting to a place where you just say, you know what, I just want to lean into you, God. God, I, I want to tap into that reservoir of your power for a breakthrough in my life. God, I'm going to lean in to you this year in 2019. And I'm just, and fasting is I'm just going to let go of these things that have been distracting me. I don't know what those things are in your life, man. Maybe it's food. Maybe you need to get control of your appetite. Maybe it's your phone. It's media. But you're just saying, God, I'm going to let go of the distractions. 
and I'm going to lean into you. And I'm going to believe again that you are who you say you are. And that you can do what you say you can do. Man, I'm so thankful for a mother that was willing to believe God for a miracle. When everybody else had given up, they said, my God can do all things. I started this message and I told you, I can get up here and talk, but if God doesn't move, then it's a waste of time. And I promise you with everything that is in my being, man, I am desperate for God to move in your life, in your family's lives. I want to see, I want to see the people that, man, I believe that there's people in this room that said, if you knew the depression I was facing, if you knew what had happened to me, if you knew how messed up my marriage was, if you knew how messed up my kid was, if you know how long I've been fighting this disease, if you knew how long I've been wrestling with this thing, I believe that those are the things that God wants to reach in and touch you. I'm extending an invitation to say, let's believe again, man. I mean, I am bringing up three little kids. And I need for the body of Christ to rise up and believe again. That we say, we're going to push back the darkness that our God reigns. And so here's what I want to do. At your seat is a prayer card. It has 21 on it. It's blue. We're about to, as a church, to go into a time of prayer and fasting. And as Shelby plays this song, I want you to ask God, what is it in your life that you want to believe for again? What is it in your life that you want to see God do a miracle? Look, I don't, I'm going to be super honest. I don't know the outcome. But here's what I know. On my worst day, it's better with Jesus. On my worst day, I'm better with Jesus. So what area of your life do you want to invite God into? And say, God, I can't do this on my own. This is going to take you moving. Let's believe again that he is who he says he is. What if 2019 is the year? So she plays this song. I invite you to write down that thing, to take a minute and say, God, I need you. God, would you do a miracle? God, I'm not strong enough. God, I can't do this. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough father. But Lord, with you, I can do all things. But God, with you, we can move a mountain. So I believe, God, as I surrender, Lord, that you will do a miracle. 
Lord, maybe it's to change my heart, God. Maybe I've grown so comfortable that life has become so easy that I don't care anymore about anybody else but my own satisfaction. Maybe, maybe God's gonna break through in your life and give you a hunger again. I don't know what that thing is, but I invite you to write it down. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.